Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming. Action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. Now that Taylor Swift's record-breaking tour is over, the trailer for her movie is already in the cinemas. Taylor Swift The Eras Tour runs 2 hours and 45 minutes, which is slightly shorter than the 3.5-hour concert. It opens on Friday the 13th of October, and tickets are available now. Be aware, they're higher than the typical movie ticket. And then this girl comes over to me and says, when Marty comes, you can't look him in the eyes. I just looked at her, I said, he's four foot six. I won't be able to see his eyes. That was Dennis Madigan with just one of the stories about working on vinyl, which was directed by Martin Scorsese. Dennis has made his career working in the art department for numerous movies and TV series. Since many of them were shot in Philadelphia, where he lives, it includes most of the shows by M. Night Shyamalan. In addition to his stories about working with Scorsese on vinyl, Dennis talks about the brass duck that he slips into the sets of most of Shyamalan's movies, being the drummer for Single Bullet Theory, and much more. Sifter Review of the Week 97 minutes on Hulu. As opposed to Hijack, which is a riveting ride on Apple TV right now, this movie hits the same subject, but without as much heft or Idris Elba. Jonathan Riesmeyer steps in as the hero to save the hijacked plane from crashing, while Alec Baldwin heads up the ground response with several deep monologues to take advantage of his drama skills. The encounters are okay, but there's never much tension, even as things get perilous, which they do often. There's lots of posturing and threats, creating angry interactions, but the overdone dialogue shaves off the edge. Even so, it's passable for the type of disposable thriller you might expect, and if you're not flying anytime soon. I gave 97 minutes 3 out of 5 stars. So, Dennis Madigan, you know, when I looked you up, as I do for everybody when I start in IMDb, the first thing pops up is Dennis Madigan, actor, which kind of blew my mind, and then art department, but you know why you're an actor, of course, which is kind of hilarious. And I didn't put that on my IMDb. I don't know how that got there. Just so people know, you were actually in a band called Single Bullet Theory for many years, and the reason you're on there as an actor, because you were in the music videos, which I directed, so... Yeah. <laughs> Footnote. Single Bullet Theory was a Richmond-based, new wave-ish rock band in the 80s. Their first single, Keep It Tight, reached number 78 on the Billboard Hot 100. Of course, I've known you as a musician and artist for all these years. Which came first when you were a kid? Were you a drawer or a maniac playing drums? When I was nine, this music store opened up outside of D.C., Alexandria, and they had a contest. You could win anything. You could win a guitar and an amp. You could win a set of drums. You could win a bass, whatever you wanted. And I put everybody I knew's name in it, and my grandmother won a set of drums. Oh, cool. And I still have those drums. They're 1965 Silver Sparkle Ludwigs. They're in my basement right now. When was the last time you played them? I've been playing them almost every day since COVID. Oh, wow. Wow. So okay. when did the art thing come out? Because I know you went to VCU in art, right? I minored in art and I majored in resource management, actually. So how did you just segue into, oh, think I'm going to be an artist and make be a musician? Well, I went to VCU on a wrestling scholarship. No, really? Yes. <laughs> well, now let me ask you this, because of the other IMDb listing for you, which is one that's the fullest of me and, and the real one, is art department. And 
Sometimes it's called set dresser. Sometimes you're called a lead man. For our audience, why don't you describe what those two things are and how they're different? In movies, there's a you have a big warehouse and all the stuff that's going to be in the movies, the curtains, the chairs, the everything, telephone, on the, everything is in the warehouse. And when you get to that set to film it, like days before, you pack all that stuff up, take it to the set and put it in. Right. It used to be a thing where they would go and actually they have buyers and they would send buyers out to buy what they needed. And uh, thanks to Bezos, they just sit in an office now and look it up and have it delivered the next day. They don't even leave the building a lot of the time. So makes life easier. And so what is a lead man? Lead man is the head of the whole department of set dressers and buyers and he oversees all them along with the decorator surprise guest drop in barry hey pal footnote barry fitzgerald is a local photographer and artist who also played keyboards for single bullet theory so we were talking just a couple minutes ago about his life at vcu and i believe that's where y'all met so what do you recall about meeting dennis barry we were underground art music people Mm-hmm. And we shared the stage more than once, I think probably in VCU Gym and String Factory. And what were the names of both of those bands? Big Naptar and Titfield Thunderbolt. As we discussed at the opening, both of you were in Single Bullet Theory when I directed Hang On To Your Heart and Keep It Tight. But that led something else for y'all, didn't it? Start a new career? How did that yeah. happen? D- during the second video, we needed some scenery for one scene. We needed a sexy bedroom with a heart-shaped pink satin bed for a sexy mm-hmm. girl to, wall- to wallow around on. So yeah. we built that, and the cinematographer said, yeah, if this rock and roll thing doesn't work out for y'all, give us a call. We always need scenery. And the rock and roll thing didn't work out for us. So uh, <laughs> we called them and, yeah. and went right to work. Didn't he call and he said, do you guys want to build a bank lobby? And we just looked at each other and said, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, we, well, we did four lobbies. Did a bunch of living rooms and kitchens and Christmas tree lots and lawyers' offices, and the list goes on. Yeah. How did you break down the uh, responsibilities? Mostly Dennis did the construction and he yelled at me for trying to decorate it before the walls were up. <laughs> he no. had a paintbrush just standing there. From there, I went on to a photography career, and uh, Dennis went on to the art direction in the movies. We worked on a movie together. Uh, It was a made-for-TV miniseries with Richard Chamberlain, Alice Krieg, Fritz Weaver, and... Rip Torn. Footnote. That 1998 miniseries was called Dream West. But anyway, we worked our butts off on that. Mm -hmm. Dennis, that was your first film involvement, right? Yes, I think so. I have to tell you a good story about that one. That was the one where the director stood up on the camera at two o'clock in the morning and said, you were all my second choices. (laughs) And they, they took him away. He was gone. And we were standing in the snow, I believe. Fake snow. Yeah, in front of the state capitol, right? Yep. The- yep. So, Barry, what do you, what dirt can you tell us about Dennis and the rock and roll band? I know nothing. <laughs> what what goes on the road? <laughs> I think that that went with the bus, Tammy Wynette's bus that we had. Uh, 
All that went when the bus left. All those stories are gone. <laughs> That's right. The only story I remember is the time we tried to get under an underpass and wouldn't fit, and they had to let the air out of the tires. <laughs> In Chicago, right? Or New York? I'm Connecticut or someplace. I don't know. Crazy days. What a rough life. Rock and roll. The life of rock and roll. Okay, look, I'm going to let y'all go and talk oh. about uh, movie business. All right. Thank you for dropping in, Barry. Thank you. Yeah, have a good time. Let's rewind now and go back to, he talked about your first gig. So how'd you get yourself into the uh, union to start working on shows? Well, actually, the first thing I was driven to the border in a car and told never to come back when a friend of mine got sick and he asked me to work for him. So I said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And uh, they took me to the border and said, uh, don't come back. The border of which state was this? Pennsylvania. Oh, really? Yes. But you're still there. I wasn't a member of the union. That, uh -huh. They hated that. And they, uh, they let me know that. Obviously, being in Philadelphia, you have worked with and for M. Night Shyamalan many times, just about yeah. every movie. How did you get started with him? I had, or I was in the business by then, and I'd done some others. Like I did a Rocky, I don't know, maybe it was four. How it works is you become friends with all the people that you work with. And then when a show comes to town, the lead man will just start calling people. And if you've been working with all those people, you'll usually get a call and, and sure. then on. So how many shows have you been on with Shalomon? Do you know? I didn't do the first two, but I've done every one since. And how was he to work with? He doesn't interact with people much. He, you know, he comes on the set, does his thing. And, uh, but he actually, uh, he, actually liked me and he would always stop and talk to me one time he made the craft services because he found out it was my birthday he made him make a cake and everybody stopped and we all went and ate cake and so he's gotten more off to the side like i just worked the servant show for apple Footnote. Servant is an Apple series created by M. Night Shyamalan that primarily takes place in one home in Philadelphia. And uh, his daughter was directing a lot of it now. Um, I noticed that, yeah. Well, now let me ask you about that because you just mentioned Servant, which I struggled through all the seasons just because I thought I should, even though I didn't yeah. love it. That was shot in Philadelphia. There's a lot of action that goes on on that street out in front of their house. Was that actually shot on a street or was that a back lot where y'all constructed the houses or how did that work? It was on, on the 2000 block of Spruce Street, which is a very affluent street in Philadelphia. And then we built the house and the one next to it front of the, the house that's on the street in, in Philadelphia. That was just the living room, dining room, and kitchen. And then the house next door was made to look like the house next door. And then the first floor of that was actually the baby's bedroom. Oh, okay. And their bedroom. Now, without giving too much away, there's a point in the second season where there's a giant gaping hole out in the street. Was that visual effects or did y'all actually have to dig a hole in the middle of Philadelphia? That was CGI. I was good. I was going to say that. Yeah. Was... The hardest thing they did was Scenics had to come and paint it green so that it would disappear. The point where the hole would go. Yeah, where the hole was supposed to go. Yeah. The last thing I worked on, which just went away because of uh, the strike, it was Ridley Scott. And he shoots with seven cameras and a steady cam 
Wow. All going at the same time. So if it's two people in a booth talking, they've got cameras everywhere. And, and, he, and he just edits it as he's going along. And, you know, when uh, somebody, I was standing there when somebody asked him about what if one camera sees another camera, he said, I just CGI it out. So footnote, Ridley Scott directed the first episode of the upcoming series called Sinking Spring for Apple TV. So as a set decorator, do you find a way to ever add a little personal touch to these sets? I have a real personal touch. Every movie I've done since my mother died, she had this little gold duck and a fish. I just give it to them when we start the show and they just put it in whenever they want to. Knight has actually asked them, can somebody turn that thing up on the thing because it's flashing? And they go, they just went and turned it and just came back and just left, just laughing, going. Actually, I've told some directors the story and they love it. They want it. Make sure it's in every shot, you know. Knock at the Cabin was the last thing that Knight did. Was it in there? Because I looked around for it and couldn't see it because that's it was it was in the one of the kids' bedrooms and they really never went in there. They, you looked saw through the door in there, but you couldn't see it from where it was. So right, right. A lot of books. Yeah, there were a lot of books on there. And it was just solid books in the background. There were two cabins. They built it on the sound stage and then they built it down in some woods in Jersey. We had to take all the dressing from the house down to the woods and put it all back and put it in the house and then bring it back when they'd shoot back at the soundstage. That sounds like a lot of moving. And those were all real books. They were not fake Yeah, they're books. all real books. Yep. There's a lot of other stuff on your resume, obviously, Vinyl, the HBO series, the Nick, the Soderbergh series, which I really liked, Creed, mm -hmm. like you mentioned, and Creed Two, and Silver Linings Playbook. Uh, tell us some interesting stories about some of those shows. Well, first one, Vinyl, I only did the pilot for that because that was shot in New York. And Footnote. Vinyl was a series about the record biz in the 70s, and the first episode was directed by Scorsese. Scorsese, yeah. He did the pilot. We were dressing the set, and uh, his he has minions, and they all of a sudden started, Marty's coming, Marty, Marty's coming. And then this girl comes over to me and says, when Marty comes, I don't know if you know, because you're not from New York, uh, you can't look him in the eyes. And I, just, I said, I just looked at her. I said, he's four foot six. I won't be able to see his eyes where I am. So um, I remember something else that happened after that. They came to see this Explorers Club, and it had all kinds of interesting stuff in, in all over the place that people had brought from their explorations. Footnote. The Explorers Club is a professional society to promote scientific exploration with the headquarters in New York City. And there was a huge tusk leaning against the fireplace where we were going to shoot as the office for the record company. And uh, they asked us, they asked me if we could move that. And I said, well, we can't move anything. So I'll ask the place, the Explorers Club, and they'll do it if they want to, if they will do it. We, we can't move it. So I left the room to go ask them 
if we could do that or get them to do it. And when I left the room, I heard this loud crash and he had backed up into the thing. They tried to catch it. It fell over and busted into like 50 pieces. Oh, wow. So they had to actually send it to a museum to have it put back together, try and put it back together. So, you know, he he kind of walked away and acted like he wasn't a part of it. His people were like putting the pieces all in, in a box or trying to get rid of it or whatever. Of course, Philly is known for the Rocky films. And you worked with Michael B. Jordan on one of the follow-up in the Creed series, right? Michael B., we had to put a ring in there for him to uh, rehearse and he would come every day i got to know him because he he would he would just talk he would just you know what's going on today what are y'all doing you know and and so when we were shooting the boxing sequences and stuff when he when they'd break they'd cut he'd come out of the ring and uh he would always hug me he would always hug me and my boss would go he has never hugged me i don't understand what (laughs) what is this It's because you're so lovable, Dennis. I don't know, but he and he disappointed me though. He ended up because he said he was going to direct and and do three, and and he would be back, and he did, and he went to Georgia. So, so another one you worked on was Silver Linings Playbook. Footnote: Silver Linings Playbook was a 2012 film directed by David O. Russell with Jennifer Lawrence, Bradley Cooper, and Robert De Niro. That was shot in uh, the suburbs, out in the suburbs. So those but, are real. They weren't on a soundstage. Yeah. yeah. But all all of it, we had to, like, move somebody's whole living room to their garage and, and redecorate it. There was a scene in the bedroom with De Niro, and um, I was up lowering the bed because they wanted the bed lower. So I had to take the wheels off. And he came in, and he and introduced himself. I'm like, yeah. I really need that, all right? So I'm laying on the floor, and he comes over, and he says, you're set dressing, right? And I said, yeah. And he said, can you do me a favor? And I said, sure, what do you need? And he said, can you make sure that they have some sweaters and stuff in the drawers so that when I'm doing my thing, if I want to open the drawer and put on a sweater, it's there? Nobody's ever asked me to do anything like that. And we had to put stuff in the closet, too. We'd put a little, but he said, can you get more stuff? Because I might go there, you know. And did he end up going in the doors of the closet? He opened the drawer and held up, uh, I think he held up the sweater. He didn't, I don't think he put it on. But, I, you know, that's who he he is. You told that one story about uh, something accidentally working out. Is there something else you've done that was kind of like, you thought, oh, I'm going to try this. And they said, oh, that's great. Let's do it that way instead of the original way. Or do you pretty much stick to the... I was doing a movie called Upside with Brian Cranston. Footnote. The Upside starred Cranston as well as Nicole Kidman and Kevin Hart. They had built a bedroom on one of the sets for Hart. And uh, it had a... A really high bed. It was like a thick mattress, one of those thick mattresses. So when he came, he sat down on the bed and he looked like he was like a kid. Yeah. I said, "Is that uncomfortable?" You know, and he and he said, "It kinda, you know, because I'll have to jump up, you know." And he's short. Yeah. And so I said, "Well, let me see what I can do." And we took the bed all off, and then we lowered the sideboards that the mattress sits on and everything and lowered it till it was almost on the ground and it then it fit perfect. He came and he was so pleased and happy. He said, "This is great." So how does the strike affecting you? 
Um, more drumming. <laughs> <laughs> now, is, is IATSE standing in unison? I mean, I know they're not striking, but are they saying, hey, we're not going to work? Or how's that working? Footnote. IATSE is the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, but it includes motion picture and TV production. We didn't sign that we're striking, but we agreed to agree with their strike and uh, and stand down. I did a couple days walking the picket lines and stuff because they came and picketed the uh, Ridley Scott movie because we were still going when they started. And Ridley was real good. He said, we're going to shut it down, you know, move out. They moved everything out of the studio. And wow, wow, wow. When he left up one set, I think. Obviously, I see a lot of movies, and at the end nowadays, there's lots more statements about the environment and how we're protecting ourselves and how we're trying to cut down on waste on movies. Are you seeing a change? Are you seeing people are saying, well, let's not waste so much stuff. Let's find something to do to make it less impactful on the environment. My girlfriend of 20 years, she was a scenic. She just couldn't take the waste of movies it is incredibly wasteful when i started in it and she started in it because of the union everything had to be thrown away they didn't take it to the goodwill or take it to you know anybody so she started a business called the resource exchange it's gotten to the point where actually decorators shop there because knight will donate stuff to her after the show is over she writes it all up and give and he takes a tax break. Right, right. So it's not thrown away and other decorators have started shopping there. We try and save and not use plastic and just, you know, anything we can. Construction's horrible. There are just a bunch of guys with hammers and they I go, "Well, you're going to waste that." And they'll go, Get the fuck, you know, yeah, out of here. Right, right. And they laugh about, oh, here comes the guy who goes save the planet, you know, <laughs> things like that. Well, Dennis, it's been fascinating. Of course, we've known each other since, I guess, the 80s. And maybe one of these days we'll get a chance to catch up in person again. Yes, I haven't been back to Richmond since COVID. But uh, I want to thank you because, you know, it's fun to think about this. And it's just one movie after another. And, you know. Things can fall by the wayside and forget them. But now it will be immortalized forever along with your music videos. Hopefully, we don't see you when I come down there. That was Dennis Madigan, who's made his career working in the art department for numerous movies and TV series, many of which were shot in Philadelphia, where he lives. I'll include his IMDb link as well as links to the Single Bullet Theory videos on the webpage for this show at tvjerry.com. Coming soon in theaters. A Haunting in Venice. Kenneth Branagh returns as director and star for the third Perot mystery with a horror twist and a cast including Michelle Yeoh, Tina Fey, and Jamie Dornan. Outlaw Johnny Black. Michael J. White started his series of black satires 15 years ago with Black Dynamite. This one takes place in the Wild West when he's out to revenge the death of his father. Camp Hideout. After a teen steals a video game from some goons, he hides out at a church camp. The Inventor, an animated look at Leonardo da Vinci's career from the writer of Ratatouille and featuring the voices of Matt Berry and Daisy Ridley. The Retirement Plan. Nicolas Cage seems to be a retired bum in the Cayman Islands, but he ends up protecting a woman and her daughter from criminals. TV and streaming. Class Act on Netflix. This is a fictionalized biopic about the Frenchman Bernard Tappy. Robots on Hulu. Shailene Woodley and Jack Whitehall play a couple with robot versions of themselves. 
from the writer of Borat. El Conde on Netflix. Augusto Pinochet is an aged vampire who decides to die after 250 years in this Spanish import. Becoming Frida Kahlo on PBS, a three-part docuseries about the famed artist. The Swarm on The CW, the latest in a continuing trend of ecological thrillers. A Million Miles Away on Amazon, Michael Pena stars as the first immigrant farm worker to travel into space. Love at First Sight on Netflix. Haley Lou Richardson and Ben Hardy play characters who fall for each other on a transatlantic flight, but a lost phone number complicates their reunion in London. Wilderness on Amazon. A happy couple's road trip turns into a nightmare. The Other Black Girl on Hulu. When a new black woman is hired at a publishing house, her friendship with the only other black girl in the office is tested. The Morning Show returns to Apple for season three. You can subscribe to this podcast on all the usual platforms, or you can visit tvjerry.com, click on the podcast tab, and there's a link. He's a professor of psychology at VCU, but his documentaries delve deep into controversial moments in Virginia's black history. Sean Utzi will be next week's guest, and as a bonus this week, I'll play this show out with a listen to Single Bullet Theories. Keep it tight. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. For more Sister, including literally thousands Thousands of reviews, reviews. visit tvjerry.com.
a wrap.